Ladies and gentlemen, geeks and nerds, welcome back to the Tanzania AI Lab podcast. Today we have Yesaya, whom you may remember from the previous episode on Ishangazi. And today he's here to tell us all his juicy secrets on how he built Ishangazi. Welcome, Yesaya, and thank you for sticking around for another episode. Hey, Yesaya, thank you so much. It's good to be here. So from a technical standpoint, last time we established that Ishangazi is a Swahili chatbot. I understand how it helps your particular mission and vision, as we discussed in the last episode, on how it's being used to educate people on sexual and reproductive health. But for the rest of us, for those of us in developing countries as students, as entrepreneurs, why should we care about chatbots? What I mean is, what problems do they solve? Oh, great, Tesla. I think um, chatbots are the way that, you know, when you are dealing, I can, I can give you one of the example. Uh, take example for a supporting industry for customer support. There is a lot of people waiting for a particular service when they have a difficulty in accessing particular service. So with chatbot, you can save a waiting time that customer are using to find uh, a particular service. But also in this uh, customer support, uh, we have manpower. So it requires a lot of manpower to support customers that need the service. It also requires a huge investment in terms of skills and infrastructure. So chatbots are here to solve these challenges the waiting time requirement of manpower and huge investment. And why? I can give you the example from the studies that was done. It's like for a customer service or any nature of uh, industry, 90% of customers will always ask common questions. Take example of maybe a television company. Most people, they will ask, uh, what is my... And next month, this month, a bundle that has expired, I need to check my balances, maybe if we take it for mobile money. So these are the kind of challenges that chatbot can help humans to solve in terms of helping service providers, but also give timely services to the customers. Again, also save the manpower that is required to provide that service. So even uh, in, in developing countries, it is very important to consider those aspects uh, in providing efficient services. Let's pause there for a second, because now I'm going to ask you a question that a lot of people ask whenever it comes to AI. And because you brought up the point of manpower, wouldn't we rather bring on board that manpower because of... Uh, job security and the job ecosystem here? Yeah, like I said, the 90% of questions are common. So we remaining with 10%. And we believe that this 10% can be uh, the same manpower, can be able to provide service in other areas, but also supporting this 10% that a chatbot will not be able to solve. So basically, if I understand correctly, we're looking at how can we keep these group of people whom 
would normally be answering very commonly repeated questions, how can we put them in roles where they could provide more value? Exactly. I, I think that's a very valid point uh, when, when we talk about AI and the benefit that it can bring to the corporates and organizations. I see. So now when we talk about chatbots and them solving these kinds of problems and potentially on top of the problems you've mentioned, one comes to mind being it could maybe stand in place where we don't have enough experts on a topic because maybe we even want the manpower, but that manpower, that skilled individual, there aren't enough of them to be put in that role, which is where we could potentially have the common questions that would be asked to this individual. We would have yeah. the chatbots stay in place and unique yeah. questions would then be redirected to the actual skilled person. Exactly. Great to hear I'm on board and understanding this. So now comes the other aspect whereby how does this computer, this chatbot, whatever we are interacting with, how does it even do that? How does it manage to solve this problem, to answer people, to talk to people? That is very uh, simple question, so to speak. Uh, with uh, these data that are already existing in this corporate or in this organization and the experience that uh, you is already there based on history, so the only thing that is remaining is to train a machine based on those information, based on those history of experience. Uh, for example, a number of questions have been asked and recorded uh, for a particular customer service in a company. So we are using only those information to train a machine. And the difference from uh, other categories or other subcategories of artificial intelligence with natural language processing we are giving ability a machine to be able to understand uh, the human language. A good example that I'm using is if you want to go to Kariako, if you want to go to Kariako, there are a number of options that you can say, but the meaning can be the same. So you can say, I want to go to Kariako, I will go to Kariako. But the key point here is you want to go to Kariako. So that's the ability that uh, is brought to a machine so that to understand the intention of the user and using the experience or the past history, which is trained to a machine to give a correct uh, result to the end user. So how does it know what I mean? Is it purely through the past history? Is there something else we need to do under the hood? Yeah, the only thing that we need to do is to have this capability of natural language processing. And the natural language processing is a subcategory of artificial intelligence. So we are using that uh, to, to train a machine that uh, based on this history, uh, normally the customers are saying these words to request for this particular service. So after this training means and a machine can be able to understand uh, what uh, need to be done on what kind of services that users are looking for. Does that mean all chatbots are AI or all chatbots use natural language processing? Um, to speak about the chatbot types, 
uh, they are being categorized into two. One is rule-based, and actually this is not even uh, artificial intelligence-based because it only asks uh, or reply questions like FAQs or like a person like who is a president of Tanzania. So those are the kind of uh, questions which can be configured in a system and machine can be able to answer it. But what I'm referring here is a conversational-based uh, chatbot. These are AI-based, or you can call them virtual assistants. And there are a lot of issues that can be associated with that, like it involves the context-based and for example, I can say, who is the president of Tanzania? Then I can, then the machine can answer me and can I add another question based on that? What is his age? You know, it keep uh, following the context I asked in the previous uh, questions. So this is like, uh, this is where the artificial intelligence come in place to make sure that a machine can be able to identify another, uh, a number of questions but find the meaning, then be able to give the answer and also to be able to remember what I have asked in the few minutes and re uh, make a relationship of those questions and be able to proceed to give you the correct answer. So a rule-based chatbot will consider each statement from the user on its own and without considering the context, while chatbot system that's more conversational is able to keep the context in mind throughout the flow of the conversation and to be able to identify unique intentions within exactly. the conversation. And one tricky way to be able to trick this rule base, they give you a specific uh, a question that you may ask a system. But with the virtual assistant or conversational based, you can give that questions and always the system can be able to find the meaning. Otherwise, in rule base, if you ask a question in a different way that is not specified in the system, um, it will not know where to give that answer. As we are moving into the chatbot conversation and the weaknesses of rule-based versus conversational, it would also be interesting to understand what are the challenges that you faced and people would face if they wanted to build a more conversational chatbot system? In the process of developing Ishangazi, we faced a number of challenges. And, uh, you know, we did not actually build the intelligence system like a, a natural language processing engine. There are a number of technologies which are out there. But with these technologies, which we find at that period, they were not supporting directly the Swahili version of it. So we had to do the like a, a training with more data based on Swahili language. But kind of, it's kind of like a tricky because uh, the machine understand that this is English, but we train with a lot of data with Swahili. Then the machine is able to start the context of those data and give us uh, what is required. And it, it works pretty well, and we're happy for that, yeah. So basically, you've used someone yeah. else's engine and then told that engine that, hey, here are some new English words that you don't know yet, but 
these are English words, don't worry about it. And then when these words show up, or these combination of words show up, or these words that are similar to it show up, then this is the context and yeah, this is the exactly. response to I, I, I'm with that visual intelligence is like uh, training a small a, a, a child. Um, if we, there is something uh, or area or surface which is very hot, and you can touch it and say, "Wow, this is very hot," and if that child does not understand that, maybe you can make him touch it a little bit and feel it's hot then you you can show the hand like it's very hot next time <laughs> they will not be able to touch that surface because it will be hot and they have that past history uh, in their minds so the same way we can train a machine uh, in in that context uh, these are the new english words which you need to consider and these are the responses that you need to consider when this kind of request come to your plate so from a technical standpoint the ishangazi bot at this point for the users yeah. is a swahili chatbot but for the developers exactly. it's still an english based chatbot you mentioned you you've used existing engines so can we dive a bit more into the tools and frameworks and what process did you go through to create yeah. um, the bot? There are a number of tools that we researched before uh, selecting which one we can use for Ishangazi. Um, you know, and a lot of these giant uh, tech companies have invested in building the chatbot frameworks. For example, if you go to Microsoft, they have a bot framework. Same to IBM, they have their own. Amazon has Amazon Elixir, but Google has Dialogflow. So for Ishangazi, we choose Dialogflow because it gives us the flexibility to make uh, these uh, intents, but also the key as a, a other aspect here, Dialogflow is free, and we just uh, do all the experimentation, training an agent, and we're able to deploy it, and there it is, Ishangaz. But uh, another tool that we find out along the way is Raza. Raza is also a conversational engine that we are taking uh, some experiment with it, and we are thinking that the next Ishangazi will be based on Raza and not Dialogflow anymore. Hold up, I'm gonna take you back a bit because you said free. And the word free resonates a lot. Like that's a word I like to hear. So you use dialogue flow to build a conversational chatbot that kind of uses Swahili as far as the, the engine's concerned yeah. is still English, but we know it's Swahili exactly. and it was free. If it's completely free, how many users or requests does the chatbot service per month or per week? Um, with Ishangazi, we receive a number of messages. I, I cannot tell the number really, but um, from the, I think, 2019s, we have up to like uh, 50,000 messages per week. Those are the numbers that we kind of receive. And uh, we also receive uh, messages from even Kenya, a lot of messages from users from Kenya that also uh, send a lot of messages. 
but uh, around there 50,000 messages and these 50,000 including the messages that users are sending to Ishangaz but also the messages that Ishangaz is re replying to our users. So 50,000 messages a week yeah. to and fro. Yeah. And training the AI and everything. So in a month, how much does it cost you to maintain Ishangazi? Because I understand you've connected it directly to social media and I don't think all of those APIs and such are free. Correct me if I'm wrong. Yeah, all the APIs that we are connected to are free because we are deploying uh, to Messenger, Facebook Messenger, but also Telegram. And we have made some tests in Slack. Um, I think those are the three areas that we currently support. Which yeah. So how much does it cost you to maintain the bot? Yeah, behind per month maybe. Yeah, the the artificial intelligence part is free. Like I said, the dialogue flow is free, but behind the scene we have a huge amount of data that we stored. The only thing that dialogue flow is doing for us is to find the meaning what the users are saying, then we are using that to find uh, those uh, intention of the user in our database. So we have this, a lot of data in our database that we hosted and we are using Laravel framework uh, to kind of build that database uh, and also communicate with Dialogflow and also communicate with Facebook Messenger. So we are hosting this and we are paying like $20 per month both for uh, the code side of the project, but also we have a separate server for image storages. We call them object storage. So we, we store them separately, both of them. But of course, uh, we have another uh, payment like uh, uh, hosting the website of Ishangazi, which like, we are paying like 70,000 T shillings per month, but also the domains also we are paying like 25, I think, per, per year. So those are the cost in total. So in under, I'm going to be flexible here, in under $50, you're mm. able to create, maintain, and host a chatbot that serves over 200,000 messages a month. Yeah. <laughs> How do I start learning? How do I get into building my own chatbot? I'm a student. I know very little coding. How do I start? Um, the coding part, I think for us, it's an, it's, it's like a, an obvious thing that you should know. But it, I, it's okay. If you can build the conversational platform using Dialogflow without any code, but you only need to know some basics of NLP and how does that work. But you need to have uh, a data store, like I said, we are using Laravel that will communicate. Uh, this is, it's like a, a communication which is maintaining the communication between our messenger application and also the conversational platform. I can give you the architecture, how it works. Um, user from the channel, whichever it is, let's say Facebook Messenger, say uh, a word like hi, then that is transported to, from Facebook Messenger to your um, business logic. We, maybe you have built with Node.js or Laravel, that's fine. But that communication need to be 
sent directly to Dialogflow to find the meaning. Then in Dialogflow, they can say, okay, after the comparison of all the information, then they, okay, this is, could be a greeting. So we go back to the database and say, okay, when someone greets you, how do we respond? Okay, it gives you the result, then you send back to a messenger where users can see the response. So it is the communication that will uh, manage. But the good thing about Dialogflow, you need to have your data. So if you have data for training and you know the basics of NLP, we have in Dialogflow, we have, I think three, I can mention three issues that you should know. The intent, entities, and actions. So if you know those, then you are good to go. Intent is the intention of the user. What actually users want. Then entities, these are like a domain or, or nouns that or what are important elements in the sentence that users are going to ask. For example, if you want to book for a ticket to, um, let's say, London, ticket, the flight ticket to London, you miss it. I want to book a flight to London on Tuesday. So there we have um, like two entities. First could be cities, including London and everything, but also the time. This is also a key important entity. Another one is action. So what are we supposed to do after a user has uh, has requested this intent. So that action, it could be the link to your business logic to find data in the database and respond to the user. All of those. To quickly summarize what I've understood. Number one, first thing I need to understand is the basics of natural language processing. And we, when we talk about the basics, we mean how do we bring in the entity how do we bring in the intent and the action? Number two, I need to be able to use something to transfer the data from wherever the user is inputting it towards, in this case, dialogue flow. And that same thing is going to bring the data back. And maybe number three, what I'll need to use is that connection, maybe how to connect the API of whatever transport I've created to the messaging platform and to Dialogflow. Yeah. Those would be the main things I need yeah. to know. But uh, for some people, you can create just a simple uh, chatbot with only Dialogflow because in Dialogflow, you can connect to Messenger, Slack. And if you, you, you think that you don't need to have a database with a lot of data that user can compare, you can all end in Dialogflow. But for us, we thought that it is important that to have a database where we have all the past experience and fetch those information. Do you have any favorite courses you would recommend to anyone who wants to get started? Any YouTube videos or books or any recommended resources? Yeah, I think uh, one of the inspiring video I find in Dialogue for YouTube channel that is uh, it, those, those, when we watch that 
uh, we find that we, we can do this. So I think I could recommend that uh, someone can visit uh, Dialogue Flow YouTube channel and they could find uh, some good examples that can make them quick start. But, but I, I think I, can, I, want to, I want to add on Raza because Raza is a game changer for most of the people uh, who, who are thinking to, to get into the chatbot cycle. Uh, with chatbot, with Raza, it is an open source. That's one thing. And with Raza, you can, self, you can host in-house the data or the knowledge that uh, your company or corporate want to, to undertake. So with Ishangaz, we thought that it is very important that if we could host our own knowledge, instead of giving these uh, intelligence or these uh, history, past history and, ex <clears throat> and experience uh, to these giant companies. So we, we, we want to host all the training data, all the, the, the logic will be in our servers instead of uh, using dialogue flow where this data will be stored in uh, in Google's server. So <laughs> I think that that is also very important for us. So someone can take a look into that and I believe uh, they could find something which they could work on. Thank you very much. Those are most of the questions from my end. Is there anything else you'd like to add or bring up regarding the use of chatbots and natural language processing, especially in developing countries? Yeah, I think um, as uh, Tanzanian, we need to kind of train more the Swahili version because we are left behind. If you go to, like I said, in, in dialogue flow, there is no support for Swahili. Maybe we could take part in contributing to these uh, projects and uh, this engine to build our our Swahili to make sure it is recognized and we are playing the role in uh, in make sure that Kiswahili is also part of these uh, new technologies that are coming across. I think that's all there is to it. But with chatbot also, we have also two types. I think of inputs. It can be a text and voice. So even a voice assistant like Siri, they work in a similar manner with those uh, chatbot where we can write text. And with voice, we, the only difference, instead of using natural language understanding, we are using automatic speech recognition. So that's it. So I just want to point it out that uh, if someone wants to work on that. And Dialogues Flow supports that and also Raz, I think, support uh, the voice commands. I see. Thank you very much. And something I'd like to add as well is simply that there may be mixed opinions about getting involved with this technology because of the potential to displace people. But as we already understand with most technologies, we don't have too much of a choice in the matter. As scary as that may sound, the technology will come, it will be implemented. So the question is, what can we do to prepare ourselves to not be one of those that are replaced? Anything you'd like to add to that? Uh, nothing really. Uh, I, I, I came across this saying that uh, changes are inevitable. So whether we like it or not, but what you're saying, the good option is to find how we fit in it's not true that uh, these companies can get rid of people, no. 
but uh, we have other areas where we can improve uh, services. I think it, we have to look in that perspective and try to make sure that our services are provided in a more effective and efficient manner. Thank you very much for joining us, Yesaya. And thank you to our listeners for staying with us so far. And if you enjoyed this episode, please like, subscribe. And if you have any questions, use the form in the description below or shoot us a message on our social media at Ishangazi and at AI Lab TZ. Thank you very much, everyone, and have a wonderful day.